Hello, Kieran. How are you doing? You're welcome to uh, to this week's Euro Soccer. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoying the football. Uh, good to have a bit of sport going during the lockdown and looking forward to a few Ireland games this week. So uh, glad to be back on the show. That's it. And it's great great to have you. I'd like to welcome uh, all the all the listeners to this uh, podcast and we hope you, you enjoy uh, what we're chatting about. And of course, we have Kieran Duffy here from... Um, from post to post sport, great to have you as always. And uh, yeah, as I just said there, Kieran, plenty to talk about. We have the uh, Ireland's Ireland's three games between. You know, they have England obviously in a friendly um, on Thursday. Then they have Wales away and Bulgaria away. Um, you know, three tough games. It has to be said in one block. And of course, you see the thing with the with having three games in one block is there's a lot of chat. I think we discussed it in previous game in previous uh, podcasts. Is the chances are higher of players going back injured because of having played three games and you know the workload on players. I know a lot of player people say well they're on huge money, but that do, that doesn't matter. Players can still get injured, and um, you know there's a lot more matches for players to play. And uh, but you you know there's. You know, three three very interesting games, and then we also have the uh, Ireland Ireland women's team as well. We're discussing that the Euro twenty twenty playoffs, Champions League to date, as well as the Premier League race. So uh, we'll start off, I suppose, with the Ireland's three games, and just like I said, they are three tough, three tough enough games. Yeah, absolutely, it is. I uh, I don't know that Ireland will be clear clear favourites for any of them uh, certainly not the England game who England have been on pretty good form uh, aside from that loss against Denmark I think that was their first loss in, since the last World Cup in fact uh, so um, you know they're, they'll be favourites for that Wales will be favourites for uh, that game and uh, maybe it's about even between Ireland and Bulgaria but looking at looking at the squad Ireland have I agree that you know they'll, they'll need to be a bit of rotation like um, Darren Randolph's probably going to start all three games in net uh, because these games do impact uh, our seeding for the World Cup draw, so I mean you can't you can't take too many risks at the moment. Ireland are a second seed, but if results go the wrong way, we put it up a third seed. That means we're going to have two difficult teams in the group. Uh, keep in mind as well that uh, it's not the top two that necessarily go through. First place goes through, and second place will likely be a playoff. So it's not really uh, it's not really it's not really the time to experiment. But looking at that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I suppose really in the England game, wouldn't it be lovely to see uh, Quiven Kelleher making his senior Ireland debut? I mean, uh, because it's a friendly. I know it's uh, England are, are a quality side, but it's also an opportunity we say for as a warm up game for the for the two um, for the two Nations League matches. So you know, you know, he's been. We've seen I've seen him on club level now, you know, for Liverpool with the reserves and different things like that, and he's involved in the first team. Wouldn't it be nice to see him get getting a chance, um, get getting a chance in that friendly uh, at some stage in the game? Now I know, um, I suppose really for Darren Randolph, his confidence would have been shaken from maybe that one or two uh, mistakes that he made in the against the Wales game and the, the last game. So uh, he'd be looking to prove a point as well. So they're kind of two case in points. And I suppose there's uh, some other players, Aaron, um, Aaron Connolly as well, is uh, looking to uh, hopefully see some game time as well. 
Yeah, well, uh, in terms of goalkeepers, I suppose it would be nice to see uh, sometimes a friendly as you see the backup, the two backup goalkeepers getting a half each. That would be nice. But as I say, can't take too many risks with the World Cup draw coming up. Uh, but then uh, in terms of defenders, not a lot of defenders in the squad. I mean, only uh, only four centre backs, so uh, and only three full backs. Uh, now, uh, Robbie Brady and James McLean can obviously uh, fit into that full back role as well, that left back role. But uh, looking at it, I mean, looking at it, I'd like to see a bit more adventure in midfield. I think Jason Malumbi has to start. He was excellent against Wales. And uh, I'd love to see Jack Byrne play, um, uh, particularly, because, particularly because he's been so good for Shamrock Rovers. And he's what we need. I mean, he moves the ball forward. He can finish. He can break chances. That's what we're crying out for. Then it's uh, it's it's hard to know who else to play. I mean, Jeff Hendrick. Look, he's been he's been fantastic with Newcastle. It just seems to be himself and James Ricardi seem to have this mental block when it comes to putting on the Ireland jersey. Uh, they just they just don't they just don't play forward much. They just uh, it's sideways passing, backwards passing, not very adventurous. I don't know whether that because that's what they've been told to do, uh, or is it because that's all they have the confidence to do in the Ireland team? Uh, Connor Hurahan, I've been relatively impressed with, uh, and then the forwards. Uh, again, uh, I I don't think uh, we don't have a lot of goals in the forwards. Uh, David McGoldrick, unfortunately, has retired. Uh, now, to be fair, he would have been thirty five from the next World Cup, but at the same time, I think his work rate and his kind of uh, the kind of way he plays, I think he would have. Uh, I think he would have added a lot to the Ireland team, uh, even if he's just coming on late in the, in the second half. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see Adam Eda and uh, Aaron Connolly start together. Uh, James Collins and that Rona Curtis have been impressed at the club level. So uh, we do have options there, but uh, I think what we need is some kind of strike partnership. I don't think we have a striker who play the the uh, lone role up front. I think we need to play two up front. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Are we... Uh, uh, Stephen Kennedy likes his 4-3-3. Three, three. Are we going to see that change? Are we going to see maybe a 3-5-2 or something like that? I'd be up for that, but... Uh, uh, particularly because a lot of our players in the team who play in the Premier League do play in that kind of wing back system. Uh, Matt Doherty and Ender Stevens are two of the better wing backs in the Premier League. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to know what's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't call us favourites for any of the games. But um, yeah, look, it's important to get something out of each of the games, I suppose. Uh, the England game is actually the one I'm most confident about because, as we know, when Irish players go to play England, they tend to overperform, they tend to grow a little bit in the jersey. But uh, we need goals. I mean, that's what we need. And I think Jack Byrne has to play if we need goals because he's he's a creative player. And then uh, I'd like to see, uh, yeah, I'd like to see two up front. I mean, Adam Eden and Aaron Connolly, we'll see them get 60 minutes together. That's it, because I suppose really look, looking at the squad as well, very unfortunate for Ender Stevens. I mean, he arrived with the squad, you know, to meet up with the squad, but it turned out like... He, he sustained an injury in uh, Sheffield United's match at, at the weekend and he's had he's had to pull out, a, out of the squad. Now, he, he'd be one of the ones that you'd be kind of missing because he's been playing well, really well for Ireland and uh, he's been kind of solid in defence for Ireland and he'd be a big loss as well. Absolutely, it will be. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a real shame and uh, I don't know who's playing in that left-back role. Will it be Robbie Brady or James McLean? But to be honest, I think this is even more the reason uh, we should play a three-five-two because uh, put either Darity or Coleman as a wing back on the right side, and then uh, I have seen Darity play as a left-sided uh, fullback as well. But uh, yeah, you can put um, 
you can put uh, the um, you can put either Brady or McLean on the other wing, so it, it's even more of a case for a back three. But at the same time, I I don't know are we going to see that many changes. But uh, yeah, a real shame to see Andy Stevens there. He's been consistent in the Ireland jersey. Uh, he's been uh, he's been one of our better performers. So it's a uh, it's an absolute shame to see him out. That's it, because I suppose really for the game against Wales and the game against uh, Bulgaria, you know, given how results have gone for us. And, uh, you know, in fairness, we're playing a, a great brand of football, but we're, you know, it's it's very creative. It's it's a nicer game of football than just the hit and hope football, I suppose, for under other other managers. But, uh, you know, the, the one thing about it is for all the pretty football, and it is lovely to watch, we just don't seem to be able to put them in the, the back of the net. And I suppose that's where... As you, you just said, we, we need uh, two kind of strikers that are going to be used to one another. And that, that's something that will take time. But I suppose uh, more so kind of in defence um, for, for the Bulgaria, for the Wales and Bulgaria game, um, more kind of important games. We kind of need, uh, we'd need um, Coleman's, uh, I suppose, authority and, and uh, leadership, leadership, uh, Qualities for those games, or do you think that uh, do you think that Darty is more than capable of doing that as well, or what would be the best option in that position? Do you think? Yeah, I agree that Coleman kind of uh, he's a leader in the team, and I think he could play as a right side defender in a back three. Uh, I think by playing a back three is it allows your midfielders to advance a little bit more because uh, you have more protection at the back. So uh, I do think Coleman should play. I think he has that authority, but I don't see why Devo can't play. I don't see why. I mean, we don't have a lot of defenders in the squad, so I don't see why Coleman can't play that right side of centre-back role. He's done it before. Doherty plays a right wing-back. Uh, I, I prefer to see that, but I, I do think Coleman has to start because uh, he just has that bit of authority. And This is a transitional time for Ireland, and you need leaders at this time. I think Coleman's the right player for that. That's it, and we'd like to hopefully, compared to the last time, that there's going to be no issues with COVID this time in the squad because maybe... Maybe if we had had a full squad for those for those previous three games, you know, we, we might have picked up points and maybe got results. But sure, look at it. I suppose when it comes to the COVID thing, it's, you know, it's the same for all international teams, you know, if players got out. But I suppose more specifically against Wales, we only had five players on the bench. So our options were limited that day. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you said, we had played three games. And I mean, your players are going to get tired as well. So, uh, yeah, it was a difficult day and, uh, you know, you, you need a full squad. I mean, there's a reason you have a squad of 23 players for uh, internationals. I mean, uh, five players on the bench, that's not even enough for a league game. So, uh, yeah, look, options are very limited. You need uh, you need, uh, you need the full complement. Hopefully there's no uh, problems this time. Hopefully there's no false positive tests as well because I, uh, I think we were uh, – I think uh, – I think we were very unfortunate that uh, two key players were ruled out uh, through positive tests that were actually turned out to be negative tests through cl- co- close contact with a positive test that turned out to be a negative test. So, uh, yeah, look, I'd say um, I'd, I'd say uh, we we'd hope that uh, there's no issue there uh, in in terms of uh, in terms of players like that. But uh, hopefully, as well, if it does happen, we can call someone into the squad so we have that full complement of players. That's it. Uh, we probably have a standby list as well. So I suppose really looking at the last two games, the two League of Nations games um, against Car- against Wales and Cardiff, like 
I suppose we, we had the chance to to beat Wales, but Wales Wales were quite good in in the Aviva. Uh, you know, it's an away game. Away games can be kind of trickier, but um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get something out of uh, the game against Wales. What's your What's your thoughts on the Wales game? Yeah, the Wales game is going to be tricky. Now, obviously, they've had uh, a bit of a incident when it comes to their head coach Ryan Giggs, so uh, maybe that'll unsettle the camp a little bit. But uh, yeah, looking at looking at the Wales game, I mean, they are in the Euros already. They've qualified, so they're probably they're possibly looking to just use this as more of a warm-up because to be honest, I don't think they'd be too worried about getting promoted uh, to the uh, to the top tier of the Nations League. I don't know that anyone is too worried because uh, the danger is you end up getting promoted, you have three more difficult games and then you end up getting relegated. So uh, I don't know that they'll necessarily want that. But uh, looking at it, um, looking at it, I mean, uh, they, probably, uh, they probably aren't overly worried about that. But uh, yeah, the Wales game, I mean, I Aside from Gareth Bale, there's not a whole lot to fear from Wales. It's just they're better organized than us and they're more used to each other than us. So like uh I think they're just I think they're just a step ahead of us in that respect. But um no look, they're not overwhelming favourites Wales. I mean it's just uh they but they are of course uh they are of course favourites and uh you look at it, I mean, they're they're only one point behind Finland, so maybe they'll already aim for this Ireland game to win and then uh, maybe they'll rotate for the next game, but uh you know they might be they might be using these games to rotate a bit, so it might be a chance to catch them off guard. But obviously, haven't had a lot of luck against them in recent times. That's it, and I suppose really with, with Gareth Bale now, it's uh, you know he's back playing for Spurs, so you know he's familiar with Spurs. I'm sure it'll be a huge boost for him because I I think he he really wanted to go back and play for Spurs, and now it's worked out for him. So. You, you know, I suppose with, with that in mind, his confidence will be boosted and he'll be going into the meeting up with the Wales squad with, with a lot more confidence because he, he'd be getting he'd be getting a lot more game time at, uh, at Spurs than he was at uh, Real Madrid over the last couple of months. Obviously, he was out of favour with um, with uh, Zinedine Zidane as, as manager in Real Madrid. So, uh, you know, I suppose that the qualities that he can bring to the the Wales team is can't be unrested. Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's a world class player. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it was an odd situation at Real Madrid. I don't think he was happy there. I don't think the coach wanted them. I don't think the players or the fans really wanted them there. So it was an unusual situation. But uh, yeah, look, he's a world class player, and I mean that's something we don't necessarily have. Something we don't have that uh, he is he is a player who can change a game, and uh, he's used to playing at a high level as well. So uh, that's something we don't have, but yeah, Gareth Bale will be one to watch there. Uh, we don't know that he's going to play in a certain two games, because as I say, we all know what Gareth Bale can do. We all know he's going to start the Euros. So maybe it's a chance to rotate a little bit before the Euros, because, you know, it's a 23-man squad. You don't know what's going to happen with injuries and other things. So, uh, you know, it might be, uh, might be a time to rotate a little bit for Wales. But uh, yeah, look, if Gareth Bale, uh, Bale uh, plays, you're probably going to have to have someone man-marking Um so uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult task. That's it, and I suppose really, if if he does start that game against Ireland, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who'd be best placed to actually keep an eye on him because marking him and kind of you, you know watching him, it's it's going to take a, a good player to to mark him. So I suppose really, look, looking at it, he's a winger from our point of view. I suppose really, McLean would be the. The one that would be better able to handle him because he he's kind of 
he's kind of like Glenn Whelan in, in a way. He he's well able to. Uh, he's not afraid to get physical. With he wouldn't be afraid to get physical with. Um, Lots of McLean has the energy levels as well. I mean, he'll run around all day, so that might be an option. Start him on, start him there uh, as well. At the same time, uh, you could see a defensive midfielder do the job. I mean, uh, Jason Lumby or Alan Brown do that kind of job. Uh, Jeff Hendrick either. Uh, so uh, maybe sticking someone on him. I mean, I I don't think Coleman's going to go on him because he's the leader of the team. He has to be there to marshal the back. Shane Duffy, as good as he is, he's not the most mobile of players, so he probably won't be on him. So uh, I'd say it'd like to be whoever starts between John Egan or Kevin Long, possibly James McLean chasing him back there the way he can make tackles. Uh, but also uh, could be uh, could be the likes of Alan Brown or um, or uh, Connor Horan. That's it. And I suppose mo- moving on to um, oh yeah, then there's the uh, the Bulgaria game. Uh, again, it'd be a tough game, but I suppose if if there is an easier game out of the out of the three games, even though the England game is a, is only a friendly, I suppose you know I suppose you can't underestimate Bulgaria, but the you know that there wouldn't be it wouldn't be as hard to beat as maybe in Wales. Um, what are your thoughts on the on? The yeah, well, look, they're now they're they're probably the weakest team we have to face, and. I think looking at it, uh, it's our best chance to get three points. So, uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say this is a game to aim for, really. But uh, looking at it, I think um, looking at it, I'd like I'd like to see a bit of an adventurous uh, get a play against Bulgaria. I mean, um, Bulgaria aren't uh, aren't world beaters. It's definitely better than us, yeah. I think. Level. So, uh, yeah, when I like to see Jack Burr. If that's when to play the three five two. If you're worried about kind of uh, taking that risk against England or Wales, but that's when to play it. That's when to experiment a little bit. That's when to really have a go. So uh, I think Ireland have to go for it in that game because uh, uh, look, uh, the thing about the thing about the Nations League, the thing is, it's almost the worse you do, the better chance you have. Because if Ireland get relegated to League C, they would have an easier group next time and a better chance of qualifying for the next Euros. So uh, it's a it's an interesting one that way, but. Uh, if uh, the aim is to stay up, I think you have to have a go in that Bulgaria game. And uh, no sitting back, and I don't think Stephen Gedney will sit back. He isn't a sit back type of manager. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's probably our best opportunity to get for Stephen Kenny to get his first win as Ireland manager. That's it. And moving on to the the Ireland ladies soccer team, uh, yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate against um, against. Uh, Against the Ukraine in uh, Kiev, you know, one one mistake cost them the game. And I mean, for all the chances they created, they were just unlucky. I mean, they had the, the penalty, and uh, they missed that. And they but they and even though they created other chances, they just couldn't put it away on the day. So, uh, you know, it's it's all to do for the for the Ireland. Yeah, it is unfortunately, and unfortunately, it's against uh, one of the toughest teams to beat in the world, Germany. And their Germany have already qualified, so maybe they'll rotate a bit, maybe they'll take the foot off the pedal, but regardless, it's going to be a tough game. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, yeah, looking back at that Ukraine game, it was unlucky. I feel like if we played that game 10 more times, if we played that game today, we'd win it 3-0 or something like that. I mean, because uh, the goal they got was an absolute uh, was an absolute shambles of an own goal. It was one of those unlucky own goals. And uh, the penalty miss, Katie McKay puts them away every week for Arsenal. And uh, some of the chances we had, normally they'd be fished. It was one of those days. 
do Ireland have a chance? Yes. Is it a small chance? Yes. Is it going to be difficult? Yes. Uh, I think Grace Maloney, who's uh, the Reading goalkeeper, has to start in goal. Like rather to her player, she's their best goalkeeper. Then uh, looking through, uh, looking through, I don't think there'll be that many changes. I don't think there's any need for that many changes. Uh, one thing is uh, we've seen Vera Power doesn't mind kind of making these unusual substitutes, uh, these unusual formations. But one thing we have to look at is substitutions. Making three substitutions at the 85th minute when you need a goal isn't the best of ideas. I mean, I don't see why the likes of Amber Barrett didn't come on, who plays professionally. I don't see why she didn't come on with 20 minutes to go or 30 minutes to go when we needed a goal. Um, the likes of um, the, the likes of uh, just, um, you know, um, I, I don't see why the likes of Ellen Malloy, who's an absolute superstar for Wexford Duke, she's only 16, get ready to hear her name a lot more in the next 15 years. She's an absolute world beater already. Uh, I don't see why not bring on these players a little bit earlier. So um, I'd like to see more confidence uh, in the team that way, that um, not just kind of leaving things as they are and seeing how um, how it kind of goes. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see... Um, I'd like I'd like to see a bit more adventure from this Ireland team. Look, we do have a very good team. For anyone who's not familiar, I mean, Deesa, Denise O'Sullivan, uh, she's actually been protected in the draft in America. She's a serious. She's if she was Brazilian. She'd win the Ballon d'Or. Like it's that kind of thing. She'd make any team in the world. Um, and we do have good players. Kate McKay has been fantastic for Ireland. And uh, yeah, look, there's plenty of talent about our team. It's going to be incredibly difficult to beat Germany, but look, it's one big performance. Win it, and you're in the playoff. Win it on your two games away from the Euros. Regardless, this has been Ireland's best ever campaign. The qualifiers. It's disappointing. It hasn't gone all the way. I think. Um, I think to be honest, some of the some of the tactical substitutions left the side down a bit against Ukraine, particularly not making the substitutions a bit earlier. But uh, yeah, looking at it, look, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be very very difficult. But there is a chance. There's there's a chance there. That's it. And of course, uh, looking at Niamh Fahey, her her. Um... Confidence will be through the roof having uh, now that she has the cop- captaincy at Liverpool and she she's doing well there. So she she she's uh, another player that's uh, that's on fire. Yeah, at the moment. absolutely. And uh, you know um, that's the thing that form wise, and it was the same going into that Ukraine game. Form wise, things are looking up, and uh, Ireland are in a good state. And uh, yeah, look, there's plenty of like there is plenty of talent. But I think people always have this bit of snobbery when it comes to Irish football and women's football. So naturally, Irish women's football, there's uh, people look down on it. But uh, look, there is there is a lot of talent in this Ireland team. And I I do feel like there's every opportunity. It's going to be a difficult one, uh, but at the same time, Ireland kept them scoreless, kept Germany scoreless for 45 minutes in Germany. No one else has done that this campaign. So, uh, yeah, look, it's going to be tough. But, uh, no, I, I do honestly believe uh, Ireland have a chance. It's one big performance. Looking elsewhere, I mean, uh, Megan Connolly has been great for Brighton. Uh, Arusha Littlejohn is a player I really rate. Um, and uh, I'd like to see Amber Barrett a bit more involved. Maybe it's a chance to play her up front with Rihanna Jarrett. Uh, so, um, yeah, look, uh, Jamie Finn as well as another women's national league player I really rate. I mean, I think she plays that kind of defensive midfield holding role really well. So, yeah, look, plenty of plenty of talent in this team. Clara Reardon as well as another one I mentioned. Anya Gorman's been scoring goals for fun in the Women's National League. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I I do think this is a this is a uh, this is a really good chance. And of course, it's live on RT first uh, first December Tuesday the first December. It is live on RT. So, uh, 
yeah, look, we can um, we can hopefully everyone tunes in for it. Unfortunately, it is behind closed doors, but uh, hopefully everyone tunes in for it and it gets great coverage. That's it. And moving on now to the Euro 2020 playoffs, uh, it's looking very interesting. Northern Ireland versus Slovakia in, in uh, the section that we were in. Um, you know, in fairness, that that game against Slovakia was a game we could, we should have won. We could, we had the opportunities to win in normal time, but uh, now in in our section, it's uh, it's Northern Ireland and Slovakia, and uh, Ireland are <laughs> staying at home for another Euro. Yeah, well, uh, the Euros will be coming to us in Dublin, but we won't be going to them. Uh, Northern Ireland won't have anything to fear against Slovakia. The Slovakia team wasn't great. Uh, granted, now they were missing one of their best players in Milan Skriniar, uh, who's a centre back for Inter. Uh, but at the same time, they look they weren't they weren't a particularly good team. I mean, they had a few chances in the first twenty minutes or so, and uh, to be honest, I think it was more Ireland. Maybe a lack of confidence, maybe a lack of luck. But uh, Northern Ireland, I would call favourites for this game. Uh, uh, they are at home as well. I think there will be some fans allowed in, but looking at the way they play. Uh, looked at the way they played against Bosnia and Herzegovina. I mean, they had less possession, but they still managed to have plenty of chances, plenty of shots. And uh, looked at did score in the game. That's something the Republic of Ireland did do. But uh, no, look, I, I, I think uh, I think Northern Ireland have every chance there. Uh, looking elsewhere, then uh, looking at Slovakia, I, uh, I don't think they're kind of the. I don't. I don't think they're. I wouldn't rate them particularly highly. I mean, there's no one. There's no one there that I'd be particularly worried about uh, playing against. So, uh, no, look, I, I do think Northern Ireland are favourites there. Looking elsewhere, um, Hungary, Iceland is uh, the, uh, the uh, Group A, uh, for, uh, group a um, uh, playoff. So, uh, yeah, look, they're going to, they're going to, that's the day, whoever wins there. Uh, they were both obviously in the last Euros. They were both kind of surprised back just Hungary. Uh, getting through their group. I don't think anyone expected them. They were well beaten by Belgium in the last 16. And uh, Iceland as well, getting all the way to the quarterfinals. We remember they beat England. They uh, ended up uh, topping that group. And, uh, you know, that's going to be an intriguing game. Hungary have a couple of decent players. Uh, they have a couple of players who play for uh, RB Leipzig, in fact. Uh, and uh, Iceland, uh, very well organised, but uh, maybe just struggling. Um, they, they don't have the same coach they had. Uh, before, so I'd call Hungary again home advantage. I'd call them favourites. Uh, big, uh, big fan of Orban, the defender who plays for Leipzig, as well as Golaski, also plays for Iceland. Uh, so look, they're a, they're a pretty good side. Uh, and I think uh, I think I'd call them uh, slight favourites uh, for the game, but uh, could go either way there, uh, really. And uh, looking at uh, uh, Serbia, Scotland, uh, there'll be uh, obviously Scotland were the only of the kind of Britain and Ireland to not qualify last time round, but uh they won't be favourites for this game. Serbia are a well organized, good team. Uh they have the likes of Dusan Tadic who scores a lot of goals for uh for uh, uh, uh Ajax and uh like some Milinkovic Savic is a player who really impresses me. Anyone who follows Syria will know him for uh known for Lazio and, uh, you know, he's a real box-to-box midfielder. I think Serbia have that little bit extra quality, but Scotland are on a good form. Scotland are on a great run of form. And, uh, you know, I, I do think uh, I do think Andy Robinson has something great this year. Uh, but Scott McTominay, he's been he's been all right. So, uh, you know, Scotland have a lot of confidence. I mean, they're probably where we want to be in a few years' time. They're probably just a little bit ahead of us. 
in that respect. They've no world beaters, but they're a good side, so they'll have every chance there, and uh, they are away from home. And then uh, possibly the most interesting game, uh, the least high profile, but the most interesting game is North Macedonia against Georgia. It'll be the first time either of those teams are qualified. That's one thing I like about this Nations League, uh, that it gives a chance for our fourth seed, one of the fourth division teams to qualify, because when you look at the Euros, I mean, we always have teams underperforming in the Euros. We always have teams, like, think back to last year, I remember uh, Russia and Slovakia were pretty poor. Um, neither of those are particularly small teams. Uh, looking back, uh, Ukraine were pretty poor. That was their first Euros. So, uh, you know, it's it's worth giving these teams a chance. Uh, North Macedonia beat Kosovo in, uh, in the uh, semi-final. Uh, no real standout players in that team. I mean, there's no one uh, that so I don't think the listeners would be overly familiar with. Uh, Georgia beat Belarus, a team that actually beat Ireland ahead of the last Euros. Uh, so they, uh, they must be doing something right. But uh, that'll be an interesting game, and I think it'll be two teams that really go for it. We're, uh, we'll be well familiar with Georgia at this stage. Uh, we'll be well familiar with them. Uh, having, we seem to play them in every single campaign at this stage. But uh, yeah, look, uh, Georgia... They're well organized and they don't fear anyone. And I don't think, um, I think that'll actually be probably the most exciting of the, the playoffs because neither of them will fear each other. They'll know this is their big chance to make history. It'll be their first time ever in a major tournament if they win. So, uh, yeah, look, I think that'll uh, probably be an interesting one. But uh, yeah, four interesting games. Unfortunately, the Republic of Ireland not above. That's it, and uh, maybe maybe on another day, I suppose, with regards to the Slovakia game, maybe if we played them on another day or if we played them since then, we'd have probably be- beaten them because we were the better team that day. But uh, I suppose move, moving on to the Champions League today, but I suppose really, you know, even though we're on about the, <clears throat> the Champions League, we, we'd have to kind of give, um, you know, Dundalk an honourable mention as well. I know, like, it's kind of, they won't be able to make it out of the, out of the group stages of the Europa League at this stage. But, uh, you know, when, when you consider all the things this season um, that them, as well as other teams, had to go through with regards to you know, not having fans and this, that and other, even even though they didn't, uh, you know, they, they made it into the group and even though they didn't make it out, into the, out of the group uh, from the games, you know, it's still it's still a huge achievement considering that they, they, weren't, they didn't have any of their fans the fans weren't allowed to attend any of the European games due to uh, due to the lockdown, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, we I suppose we we'd need to give a, a mention to Dundalk and how, how well they've they've done to get to the absolutely the, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you look at it. They uh, that game against Rapid Vienna was a bit of a thriller, and uh, unfortunately, goalkeeping errors kind of cost them uh, playing a. Uh, uh, Gary Rogers set out that game, unfortunately. So it's going to happen with an inexperienced goalkeeper. But uh, yeah, look, credit to them for getting there. I mean, it's so difficult for League of Ireland teams to get to the uh, Europa League. And uh, it'll likely be the Europa Conference that most of them are going for next year. Uh, we know, of course, uh, the Dock will be in the Europa League qualifiers next year. Shamrock Rovers will be Champions League. Bowes will be Europa League. And looks like Sligo could well be... Uh, could well be in the Europa League, uh, uh, but uh, it could also be the winner of the FAI Cup if they haven't already finished in that top four. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting one next year. But, uh, yeah, look, credit to Dundalk. I mean, they they haven't disgraced themselves in Europe. I think they've been a bit unlucky, and that's going to happen with a new manager. Maybe it's just a bit of an experience. You have to keep in, keep in mind, Filippo Giavagnoli, he, isn't even a, he doesn't even have his... Uh, 
level uh, he doesn't even have his level a coaching license so i mean he's uh he wasn't actually allowed in the stands for one of the games uh, he wasn't actually allowed sorry the dugout for one of the games but uh yeah, you're looking at it, I think uh, they haven't disgraced themselves at all. I mean, I don't think it, it, this isn't the same Dundalk team that got the Europa League in 2016. They uh, they got a bit of luck with the draw, but look, they had to play what's in front of them. They did very well to get there. It's been a turbulent season for them, obviously changing manager uh, midway through the season. It's been, uh, it's been, they're still a bit in a transitional uh, time, uh, given that, given that Stephen Kenny was in charge for so long, but uh yeah, look, uh, it's uh, it's disappointing, but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against them getting something in their final games. I mean, they could they could it would be great to see them get at least a point in one of their final games, but uh, yeah, it won't be true to the last thirty two. But um, yeah, look, it's uh, I have to say I'm uh, I'm, I'm proud of uh, the way the Dundalk have represented the League of Ireland. I don't think they've themselves down. I think it's just been uh, maybe uh, maybe a few mistakes have just cost them. But uh, look, that game against Molde and that game against Rapid Vienna could have gone the other way. And we could be talking about the Dundalk side on four or six points. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. But uh, look, uh, credit to the Dundalk the way they've handled themselves. That's it. Because, I mean, really, the, the results they've had in the group stages doesn't reflect how well they've... Uh, doesn't reflect... The quality of the performance they put in in those games, well, I suppose really that's that's football. You can play, you, you can play brilliant football, but it's all about putting it in the net and winning games. But it's just unfortunate. But I suppose we'll move on to the uh, the Champions League now. Uh, the Champions League today, it's been uh, I suppose really it's been a, an unusual Champions League the way things are going. It's just. Uh, Match after match every Wednesday, there's no no breaks at all for the players between uh, domestic league matches and um, and between domestic league games and Champions League games. I know Ali Guller Solskjaer pointed it out there at the end of you know on on after their win against Everton, he was kind of not happy that they were, you know they were playing in Wembley or they were playing in uh, Europe midweek and then at tw- they had a, a lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. So they wouldn't have had the time really to recover when you consider traveling and different things like that, um, you know. But I suppose yeah, things yeah, like absolutely, that and that's uh, that's the nature of it. And I do agree with Ali there. He shouldn't have been playing a twelve thirty kickoff when he had just played during the week in the Champions League. I mean, I do think that's ridiculous. So you have to look after the players, <clears throat> and I think that's where it kind of comes into the TV money and all the. Uh, uh, the likes of Sky and BT with the biggest teams on and they kind of have a lot to say in when fixtures are played but uh, player welfare has to take precedence here uh, looking at the Champions League itself uh, yeah Bayern Munich Man City Liverpool and Barcelona the three teams to take nine points from nine uh, in terms of uh, just a run through the groups uh, Group A Bayern Munich haven't been overly impressive but look they've got the job done and that's something they're good at doing getting the job done I mean they do a consistency in the Bundesliga they often don't kick into full gear uh, in the Bundesliga until after the new year and uh, look they're, they're very good at that but at the same time they absolutely hammered Atletico Madrid who have been disappointing for me uh, they uh, they obviously dropped points there against Lokomotiv Moscow Moscow have uh, been an interesting side this week I mean they should have probably gotten some there that Bayern Munich game they're actually a better team uh, but uh, yeah look that's going to be an interesting race uh, maybe they can maybe they can pip Atleti to that uh, to that tur- to second spot and that would be a great achievement and uh, as we know when Atleti go into the Europa League they tend to win it so it uh, might, might work out well for them they don't have to lose the Champions League final uh, looking at Group B 
Borussia Mönchengladbach have uh, been uh, my my favorite German team. They've been uh, they've been one of my most impressive teams. I think uh, for this year. I mean they. Uh, they uh, got a great point at Inter. They got a great point uh, against Real Madrid. Could have won that game. Uh, and then absolutely hammered Shakhtar Donetsk. Sing about Shakhtar Donetsk. Anyone who watched their, uh, semi-final, their Europa League semi-final against uh, Inter last year will know they uh, they are prone to a bit of a capitulation at some stage. Uh, Real Madrid haven't been overly impressive, but if they get out of the group, no one wants to play them because they do have a lot of quality in their squad. And uh, that's often what it comes down to. It's not football. Sometimes it's just... It's just teams on paper can anywhere better on paper can end up winning without playing that well. Uh, Inter uh, largely disappointed them. Probably need to get something out of that Real Madrid game. Realistically, probably need to win their last three games out of the top of the group anyway. And probably need to get something out of each of them to come second. So uh, they'll be disappointed. Group C, Manchester City uh, are uh, are having an easy enough time of things. Uh, they weren't overly impressive against Porto, but uh, they've been uh, they've been confident up against Olympiacos and Marseille. Um, kind of a kind of anyone between Porto and Olympiacos, I think we get that second spot. Uh, but uh, Man City will Man City will like their chances. I mean, I I feel like Pep's really going to aim for the Champions League this year. I, I I think his I think his primary goal is to win the Champions League with Man City this year rather than the Premier League. Uh, Marseille pretty disappointing. Uh, no goals scored, seven goals conceded. Uh, in Group D, then Liverpool top the group. Uh, they're probably safe enough now. Ajax Atalanta, uh, well, uh, we knew it was going to be a good game when they played each other. Um, Atalanta, again, I mean, losing 5 0 to Liverpool, they're that kind of team that could beat anyone 5 0, but they could also lose 5 0. Uh, but they are a better team than that. I think they'll be very disappointed. They do still have a chance. Uh, Michelin making their debut in the Champions League. Uh, Looks like uh, looks like they're going to be one of the teams that kind of participation trophy rather than anything tangible from the game. Uh, then we have uh, in Group E, Chelsea, Sevilla, Krasnodar, Rennes. Uh, Chelsea have actually impressed me a lot in the Champions League. I thought they'd really struggle there. Uh, they did well to get the draw against Sevilla, but uh, now they've been uh, they've been particularly good. Uh, seven goals in their last two games in the Champions League. Uh, Krasnodar and Rennes as well. Uh, credit to them, they've. Uh, They've, uh, they've, they're both making their debut in the Champions League this season. And uh, Sevilla, I think, will be kicking themselves if they don't top the group and end up playing one of the big guns because this is a real chance for them. Uh, group F, Dortmund, Lazio, Club Bruges and Zenit. Uh, this is a very open group. I mean, Lazio have been impressive. Uh, Dortmund as well, free-scoring team, obviously, with the likes of Jadon Sancho and Erling Haaland, who unfortunately won't be at the next Euros. Uh, but... Um, yeah, look, I think it's between those, but don't worry about Club Bruges either. Uh, they've been uh, they've been impressive at times. Group G: Barcelona, Juventus, Dinamo Kiev, Friends of Rossi. Uh, happy that Friends of Rossi got their first Champions League point. And uh, looking at it, uh, Juventus obviously struggling a bit from missing Ronaldo, but uh, Barcelona will be without Ansu Fadi now, who's been one of their bright lights. I don't think Barcelona are going to win the Champions League, but I think they could go far. Uh, I think they are a Champions League team, but if they come up against the likes of a Bayern Munich or even a Man City, I think they'll struggle. Uh, but uh, yeah, Juventus just uh, just not really putting it together at the moment. Uh, doing okay in the league, but just not really not really getting that far, doing that well in the uh, Champions League at the moment. They're kind of just getting by. And finally, in Group H, Man City, Leipzig, PSG, and Istanbul Basakshir. Well, uh, everyone thought it was going great for Man United. Two great wins against PSG and Leipzig. And then they go and uh, decide not to defend against Istanbul. Uh, their first ever Champions League win, first ever Champions League goal, second ever Champions League goal, and first ever Champions League win all came against Man United. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
you know, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know about PSG and Leipzig if they have the quality they had last time around. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's look, it's a great opportunity for Man United to top the group. But at the same time, I think anyone could actually get through in that group. That's it. And I suppose really, you know, since Van Dyke since Van Dyke got injured against Everton, I suppose from, from then on, you know, a lot a lot of people have been writing off Liverpool and they said, Oh, they'll be very exposed and there was you know, that the Matip and Gomez were the only two that that's uh, with senior level experience and then Gomez then Matip was injured, so it was you know, Gomez was gonna be one centre half and then it was was the other centre half will be one of the younger players, but you know, I mean, a lot of people have written Liverpool off, but you know, since since that draw, since that draw with Everton, um, you know, it's where he, he got injured. Liverpool are are unbeaten in both in both competitions, so that's not, uh, you you know, it's just shown. Well, that's it. it. They are still a quality team. I think. Uh, interesting thing about Liverpool is as well. How do you fit in? Firmino, Salah, Mane and Jota. They tried it there on the weekend. Uh, kind of worked, kind of didn't. I mean, Firmino moving into that 10 role. Uh, but um, yeah, looking at it, uh, looking at it, it's it's difficult when you have a lot of players spent taking up the same spaces. But uh, now look, defensively, Gomez and Matip, I'm obviously a fan of Joe Gomez. He came from Charlton. Uh, but uh, him and Matip are useful defenders. And with Alisson back in there, so I think that's key, uh, having, that, having Alisson in there to kind of uh, boss the defence around. But uh, yeah, look, uh, look. I think they are favourites for the league, uh, for the Premier League this season. Looking elsewhere, I mean, Leicester and Wolves uh, doing quite well, uh, and Southampton obviously were top of the season for the top of the league for the first time in their history. So, uh, yeah, looking at it, I think uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting title race. We could well see two two unfancied uh, teams playing in the Champions League next season uh, from uh, from England. That's it. Um, that that would be that would be great for the league for um you know for the Premier League to see the someone like those you know teams like that in the Champions League now you know them re- teams like that reaching the, getting into the Champions Champions League is one thing but uh, you know when 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 they come up against the quality teams that you that you see around Europe it's uh, you know you know can they perform against them but I suppose really. You know, regardless of how they perform, they'd be better. Well, that's it, and I think it's everyone's. Uh, I think it's every player, European player's dream to play in the Champions League. So uh, you wouldn't be grudge any of them. Uh, Southampton. Uh, I like the way I like the way Southampton play in particular. Uh, the kind of four four two. It's very attacking four four two, but they're a very uh, they're very well drilled side. And since losing nine deal to Leicester last season, they've uh, they've been a quality outfit. Uh, Danny Ings in particular uh, used to play for Liverpool if you remember uh, he's had something of a career resurgence in the last 12 months so uh, you know yeah I, I'd be I'd love to see uh, the likes of Wolves Leicester or, uh, or Southampton get into the Champions League next season That's it because I suppose really for uh, for Danny Ings as you just t- touched on there, I suppose he he was you know he, he's a great player but he was just unfortunate to be in such a high uh, such a quality player or such a quality squad as Liverpool where you know ahead of him he has Firmino, Mane, Mane Salah now Jota so he wouldn't have 
with Jota arriving in, he wouldn't have had much of a chance. And then, of course, uh, as another attacking, you know, attacking midfielder, I suppose you call him, is Adam Lalana. He left Liverpool as well at the end of last season. Like he's gone, gone to Brighton. So well, I mean, that's it. Some players you know, want to play games, especially at his age. He's not a young player. He needs to, he needs to go and play a bit of games. So uh, yeah, look, I think it was the right decision uh, for once a player went from Liverpool to Southampton rather than the other way around. That's it, and uh, you know, so it's going to be. Uh, you know, they're they're on an international break now, and. Uh, you know, it was a one-all draw for Liverpool. Um, you know, at the weekend against Man Man City, and of course, Man United had a, a win. They, they managed to break that um, that hoodoo of uh, you know that they'd lost their previous couple of games. So to get a win, to get a win at the weekend against Everton was a huge boost for them. Um, I suppose really looking at looking at uh, Man United, they, they've kind they're kind of I suppose they're, they're kind of inconsistent, but. I suppose you know a lot of people. I wouldn't be a huge fan of Maguire myself. Now he he can do brilliant things, but then he can let you down. He can make a mistake that'll cost that'll cost Man Man United a goal. But uh, yeah, it just goes it just goes to show you with, with Man United. But really, the Premier League kind of needs Man United at their best to make it a, a competitive a competitive league. Because I mean, last year. Liverpool just kind of ran away with it, and uh, even even teams of the quality of um, you know teams of the quality of of Man City and Leicester, uh, you know. Even yeah, well, that's it. You'd like to see uh, you'd like to see an open title race, but uh, 